you know what annoys me? On OS ten, you know how you have the do not disturb toggle? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I believe that you do. But I right. I've never seen well, it. Well, you know how in notification center you have two tabs? One is today. Uh, yes. And the other is notifications. Just like on the phone. So which one would you think that the do not disturb would go under? Notifications. Mm, that would make the most sense, wouldn't it? Guess which one it is under. Today? Yeah. Because you want to not be disturbed I don't even know today. where it is. You have to scroll down. Oh, it's at the top. Yeah, you have to scroll down. Like, it's yeah, hidden I behind. I've never found that. That is weird. So, there's no control center on OS? No. Because that's where it is on iOS. Yes, I understand that. <laughs> Thank you for educating me in iOS, Jake. This is one here that looks like a moon. Oh, is that what that means? A crescent moon. I thought it, I thought it meant that I would be mooning people. <laughs> No, it says do not. <laughs> do not moon do not, people? No, do not disturb people, and that would disturb me greatly. <laughs> I would be disturbed by that. Maybe if you turn it on, you don't get mooned. Good old time. Excuse me, I just got to turn this on. Hi, you are listening to Mobile Couch, and this is a show where we talk about mobile development. This show is hosted by Jake McMullen. Hello. And Ben Trengrove. Hello. And myself, Jelly, a.k.a. Daniel Farrelly. And this is episode number 50. This is the actual 50, not the not quite 50, which is what the last episode was, ironically. I don't, yeah, just, 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 okay, let's get into it. So, I think we may have a little bit of follow-up um, from the last episode. The last episode, we talked about uh, back-end services. How did yes. first of all? How did your as your Azure, as I'm told, it's supposed to be pronounced? How did your Azure courses go? All right, it was interesting. Different audience than I was expecting. What do you mean by that? Did you like <laughs> teach mice or something? No, no, not at all. Um, so I guess the workshops I've done some in Sydney. Yeah, that was the ones gone, and coming up are some in Melbourne and Brisbane. So, so people can still. Yes, there is still time. Mm. So if you're listening to this and you're in Australia and you're interested in well, finding about finding out about Azure, because apparently I pronounce it wrong. We yeah, which yeah. is fine. Um, then come along to the workshops in Melbourne or Brisbane. Um, and if you're if you are a mobile developer, which I th- I think you might be listening to this show. That that's a pretty good. Yeah, pretty good guess, I would say. It would be cool if you came along because you you would be the type of audience I was expecting. So um, who did you get? So the Sydney workshop was attended by people who had a, were familiar with the Microsoft stack and right. were new to mobile development or wanting to find out about uh, ways in which they might get into mobile development. And I guess I was expecting people who are familiar with mobile development that were wanting to find out about the Azure cloud services. Right. So Fair. kind of yeah. Well, you know, just despite the kind of me misunderstanding potentially the audience not knowing what they were going to get, it, I think went okay. Although uh, interestingly, you may recall in the last episode I was singing the praises of how easy it was to integrate uh, with Cloudinary. Mm-hmm. Mm, in preparing some content for the workshop, turns out I found a bug. It's not so easy to integrate it anymore. Oh, really? Um, there's a fix, but yeah. So you have to kind of work around it. Yeah, it's, it's slightly painful. It's to do with um the Node package manager. Right. The one that's bundled by default on Azure uh, is an older version. This seems to be a, a running thing, isn't 
the it's, bug you had it last time? It was the same bug. So now it affects Cloud Mary as well. Basically, oh. um, the syntax for expressing which version of a module you're dependent on has changed. And newer versions of the Node Package Manager uses use a caret symbol to say a newer version then. Right. Whereas older versions of NPM don't understand what you mean when you've got a caret symbol in your um, description of which dependencies you want. So they just can't load that module. That's interesting. It is. So yeah, you, okay. can, um, you can reconfigure your, as your instance to use a newer version of NPM. Well, at least you can kind of do that. Hmm. Yeah. It's kind of annoying that you have to, but... Uh, yeah. Can. I mean, well, I mean, the thing is, is that with, with third-party services, there's kind of two kinds of bugs that you can ever really run into. And one is like user error. I run into that one all the time. Well, you, you know what I mean, yeah. though, right? The, the sort of the, it, it's the sort of error that it's not necessarily your fault for for it occurring, but it's something that you can fix, which yeah. is one of what essentially this is. Yeah, yeah. The other one is like a, an error in which like you can't do anything about it, yeah. and you just kind of you have to live with it, which yeah. is the, the example kind. that I uh, ran into that I explained that I ran into with with um with gif wrapped yeah, last yeah, episode yeah, yeah you, you kind of hope that you would get that first one hmm. yeah yeah it's nice to have a bug you can do something about well i walked away from that episode and i rebuilt my website from scratch and Excellent. it took me a sunday afternoon that's the message you took from that episode yep i had to well i mean it's not really mobile development but you know i i decided to you know make use of my my skills and rebuild my website which is kind of something that i've been working towards for a while built it in an afternoon based on all of my previous experience and rolled it out and it's working really well just gonna go with that so i thought i sat down and i thought well you know how people do like do one of those posts where it's like this is my blog i'm going to write things in it i thought yeah okay i'm gonna sit down and i'm gonna write i'm not gonna do like you know just like a hello world post i'm gonna do a post about what i how i built it Hmm. and then i kind of started writing something completely different. So I wrote a post about uh, essentially the difference between Jake's or you, and yours, Ben, uh, mm-hmm. approach to developing back-end services and my approach and clearly Rusty's approach and how they are ne- not necessarily the whole story. I think that really covers it. Anyway, yeah. I'll put the link in the show notes and you yeah. can go and read it if you like. But yeah, it was kind of a lead on from the last episode and stuff that I'd been thinking about. So there's that. I think that's all I've got from last episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. We got a lot of feedback in the lead up to it in regards to like how other people do their backend services and that sort of stuff. And there's a lot of different ways. I'm, I was kind of blown away. Hmm. I hmm. think that um something that we discussed in that episode, which I think was reinforced by the feedback we got, so pretty, this is something pretty much everyone's thinking about, that mobile apps do need to interact with the back end more. Yep, except um, the developer of Clock. <laughs> yeah, except for that one. Anyway, so look, I've got on my list, and I've had it on my list for a while. It's not actually on my list, but I know it's it's in, on my mental list, to talk about test flight, right? Hmm. We haven't really touched on it very much. I think we may have like I think we mentioned about, it once or twice. Yeah, I think we talked about test flight and or hockey in our very first episode. And... Yeah, well, we yes, but we. I'm not talking about test flight like old test flight. I'm talking, talking about, about new, new test flight, new Apple test. Te- yeah, the Apple's test, test flight. flight. Yeah, I think it's safe to say that 
most of our listeners will know that Apple per they acquired Test Flight, or rather acquired the company that owned Test Flight, and then basically just tore it apart and used and integrated Test Flight into their own into iTunes Connect. You might be surprised. You might be surprised by that assumption. I was amazed by how many people at WWDC I heard really? going, "Oh, I can't believe they just stole that name!" Like, I wonder what. The other test flight thinks of that. I was like, oh, come on, guys. <laughs> That's a good point. I never thought of it like that. And so now test flight is, or rather the, 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 it's not really the same test flight. It's a whole new thing, but it's, it's the same idea behind it and mm. it's integrated into iTunes Connect. Yeah. That being said, I don't think everybody's sold on it. And I know the last time that I spoke to you, you weren't using it. Yeah. So I'd be, I've been a happy hockey app user for a long time right um and so i hadn't really gotten around to looking at the new test flight because i was happily using hockey for distributing test versions of apps yep however i did look at test flight recently and used it to distribute some test builds um and was really pleasantly surprised by it in many ways it works really nicely the two big things for me that test flight does now that nothing else does is one, the fact that it's integrated with iTunes Connect. Yep. So it means that the exact same process you use for preparing your app for the app store can also be used to distribute it to testers. Yeah. So it's not like two separate processes. Well, it's, it's the same process. It's, it's even, I think it's even more integrated than that because I'm fairly certain that once you push a build to test flight, you can actually then submit, release that build. You can release that yeah. build. Yep, yeah, exactly. So, you so can, it's not like you're not doing. A build for app, like in Xcode, you don't have to have separate build schemes, one for App Store and one ad hoc build scheme for distributing outside the App Store. Yeah. You've got a single build scheme. It's the exact same binary. Yep. It goes to your testers and is released. And it also means when working with clients as well, the thing that I often run into is um, you finally get the app finished and ready to distribute and the question comes up around how to how to get it into the store and sometimes that means people don't have an account at all and need to get an account set up for the first time sometimes mm. people have an account but don't know who within their organization looks after it sometimes they know who looks after it um but haven't thought about the marketing collateral they want to use for the app um and so using test flight to distribute test builds gets you to deal with all of those issues up early. front early yeah. during development mm. meaning that when you finally come to release it's actually a much smoother process so i think that's a huge win and then the second one is um, you don't need provisioning profiles. Oh, so provisioning profiles. To list, get you UDIDs and UUIDs, UDIDs, uh, and list them in your profile. So let's talk about how we used to have to do it. Yeah. Because I think that's important. And a lot of people still do it this way, right? The, the old way, the original way, was to set up provisioning profiles in your provisioning profile manager thing. I don't know. It's not actually connected to iTunes Connect. It's in the developer the center. member center. Yeah, the member center um, where you can set up like your certificates and all that sort of stuff. Yep. I feel like Apple are trying to move away from that given that they're kind of building some of it into into Xcode mm. and clearly moving towards, you know, not using provisioning profiles for um, ad hoc development. Yep. But the idea is that you build an app with a particular provisioning profile for ad hoc distribution, and then once you do that, you can then create a, an ad hoc build 
that you can send to people or give to people. Yeah, but and basically the provisioning profile associates a particular app with a particular set of devices that it's allowed to run on. Yeah, so it's based on the UDID. Yeah. So it's like literally locked to a, to specific devices. So if somebody comes is if somebody, you know, buys a new iPhone, yeah. then they can they have to give you the new UDID. Yeah. And you get you got get a hundred device slots per membership year. Mm. And it's not a hundred active slots, it's a hundred total slot activations. Yes. So if you add a hundred devices through the course of the year and someone else comes along with a hundred and first device, you can't do anything. Even if you delete like even if yeah. you remove them, you even have to wait until the next year. The anniversary of your membership. Yeah. So the idea is that you 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 build with these provisioning profiles, you provide an ad hoc build. Now the with with the um with enterprise you can actually get more provisioning profiles so and with more enterprise, devices yeah so basically apple have three ways of distributing apps yep through the app store which we all know about um ad hoc distribution yep which is limited to devices listed in the provisioning profile and then in-house distribution and in-house distribution is only available to people who have an enterprise membership of the developer program and if you do have an enterprise membership then you can get a provisioning profile that allows an app to be distributed on any device doesn't right. have to be listed. Um, and in which case, the in-house and the ad hoc, the kind of distribution step is more or less the same. You just basically provide that app somewhere on the internet um, and you link to a, a plist file, which allows over-the-air installation of the app. So right. basically, you've got a web page that links to a plist file. The plist then has some metadata about the app and links to the actual binary. So at some point, like around iOS 3 or 4, we got in, like we got... Um over the air builds yeah. that we could ins- like you could install over the air as opposed to having to go through iTunes which was a pain. Mm. That was kind of when a bunch of these services like Test Flight and Hockey kind of got born because you know they people started to do that kind of manually yeah. and it, yeah. it still kind of sucked so they so the the Test Flight and and Hockey kind of came along and integrated a lot of stuff so mm. that you could essentially do special things like uh i mean they both had a feature where you could uh update a build with a different provisioning profile and it would reconfigure until ios 8 came along yeah well there's that whole thing um but i mean that was never really a you know a supported feature or anything so you know there's that but the idea is that the idea was that you could you know there was a bunch of different features that tried to make it easier make it easier to kind of get testers and stuff like that one of the things they made easier was getting the UDIDs from yeah. people. So prior to that, you'd have to tell people about this idea of a UDID and teach them how to find it. Yep. And, and then you'd have to, to you. yeah, you, then they'd have to copy it and yep. paste it in an email and make sure they didn't miss any characters. Yep. Um, and there's some, like, there's some neat things. Like, I don't know if you realize, you know, if you connect your phone to iTunes and you click on the serial number, I think it switches. Yeah, you get a few different things. And then yeah. you could press... Command copy, even if it wasn't highlighted and it would go onto the pasteboard. Mm. This was all way back then. So, um, you know, Hockey App and Test Flight made it easier. That I think they use um, mobile device management features where yep. you can download a profile onto your phone that allows the, the web service, Hockey App's web service or Test Flight's, to request your UDID. Yeah. Um, in which case it gets it and you don't need to type it or see it or whatever. Um, 
And so it just it made the process a little bit easier of a recruiting a test to getting their UDID and then giving it was a, a build to them. It was a fairly significant dis- difference, though, in the end. Like it, it only it only made one slight change in that they didn't have to go and find it and copy it mm. and send it to you. But having them sign up and do do a couple of steps, but uh, was a lot simpler in the yeah, end. A lot. Oh, it was it was way better for the developer because yeah. you could. Um, the developer portal lets you upload a text file with UDIDs in it. Yep. And Hockey and TestFlight would give you that file. That was a big yeah, yeah. difference then, yeah. individually provisioning each device. But one of the problems with it remained and remains that for end users, it's really tricky to figure out like, okay, so someone's invited me to this service like Hockey. Um, I have to sign up for an account with the service. Mm-hmm. And then I've got to register my device with the service. Mm-hmm. And then I've got to make sure I've registered all of the devices I'm going to test on. Yep. And then and then you've got to and then, then you've got, got to wait wait for, for the developer. And it's the number of people that don't realize that, like, I can't prepare a build for them until they've done all of that. And then I've got information that I need. And then there's a manual step for me to do. And then later I can get the build ready, and they'll be able to get down future builds. Whereas Apple's test flight solves all of these problems. Yeah. Like, it's just fantastic. And introduces a few new ones. Sure, but in terms of... um, (laughs) So, the process now for distributing a test build is submit it through iTunes Connect. Right. um, And then invite testers with an email address for the person you want to test it. They'll receive an email, and from that email, they can set up and sign into their test flight account. Well, the the test flight app app on their phone. Yeah. um, On any device. So they can just any, put that, yeah any device and at any time they can move that test flight app onto any other device. They don't even need to tell me about it. And in fact, it would probably do that almost automatically when you yeah. do like a when you can completely transfer does. to a new phone. So and doesn't even if you've got automatic downloads turned on. So if I install a test flight app on my iPhone, it'll come up on my iPad if I've got automatic downloads turned mm. on. And if I launch the test flight app on my iPad, I'll see all the apps that I've been invited to test. So in terms of a tester's point of view. It's a, such a simpler process. Oh, so much simpler. Um, and you get a thousand testers. Yes. Which I think is certainly for the sort of work I do on client projects, that's more than enough. A hundred was actually hard. It would get like late in the year, I would have to be get a bit tough with clients and say, I'm sorry, you can't add a 20th person to the list of people that this app's going out to because I've only got two slots left and I've got working on another project in a few months. There's going to be people that need to test. Yeah, so that, I mean that that kind of is that was the downside, right? You'd you'd have a hundred, you would have a hundred, but if you were working on multiple different projects and you had you know four or five devices, four or five, each. yeah, you'd end up with like you'd end up blowing out a lot of the yeah. uh, a lot of the you know the slots Whereas just straight up a thousand per. App or per account is it per app? It's a thousand per app, I think. Right, so yeah. that's heaps. It's like even if it's per account, it's still a lot. Like yeah. it's it's that's still quite. What, a number. what do you think in terms of like I? The only place I feel that might be limited is if you're doing public betas of apps you're going to distribute to the general public in the app store. Yeah, you, would you ever want more than a thousand? Well, testers? I mean, you just have to look at like, for instance, Marco Arment recently opened up. A bunch of slots for Overcast, right? Uh, he opened eight hundred slots, eight hundred. Like, quite a lot. yeah. He's uh, up until now, nobody's ever been able to have that many. Yeah, like, of course, it's not ever been like a, a possibility to yeah. have that many testers, unless you've got eight apps 
developer accounts with 100 slots each and you're managing them all separately and <laughs> changing the app ID. Or if you've got to sign it for the... Or if you're using uh, an enterprise account, which I know that people are going to say, just use an enterprise No, just, okay, we know that enterprise can do, you know, as many as you want. That's not really the point. The point here is is not that, you know, the limitation is gone. The point is that it's a lot easier across the board, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there is a higher limitation. And, and just to clarify, though, the enterprise thing, um, yes, the enterprise account allows you to do it distribute to an unlimited number of devices but the terms and conditions say that you agree you're only distributing to devices owned by your employees right um so it's literally for distribution of apps within an enterprise yeah well that that is why it's called an enterprise account that being said there there are obviously going to be people out there that are using it for beta testing i'm here to tell you that that's not really a feasible thing anymore you don't really need to do that and it's kind of if you're still you know sending out builds that way regardless of what you know things that you've put in place i think test flight is a much better system for mo- the most part i i agree however test flight is not without its limitations yeah there's a lot yep. of caveats so in regards to limitations um i mean we we know of a few there was and how about that you know itunes connect thing that happened the other week where suddenly you were locked into somebody else that's appalling. Absolutely yeah, that appalling. was crazy. The, the worst thing about it is that Apple have not contacted developers at all to tell us about it. Actually, makes me want to sort of lobby the government. I don't really often want to lobby the government. But there's been in some jurisdictions, there's mandatory disclosure laws so that if you are a company that's subject of a security breach, that you have an obligation to inform people whose accounts you hold that you've that you've suffered that breach. Mm. Um, and I kind of thought, oh, that's a bit heavy-handed, having laws to make that happen. Surely, you know, responsible companies would, would tell people when they've suffered from a breach. I can't believe Apple, as the, the like technology company that they are, would not contact developers to say, we just want to let you know there was this security breach. Some of your accounts may have been accessed. You should yeah. check things. Like the only reason we know about it is because we read about it on rumor websites or saw or people, people tweet. posted screenshots yeah, on Twitter, but like there's no official word about it. I think that's just absolutely appalling. Can yeah, you can you terrible. imagine any other company suffering an exploit and not telling? Yeah, informing uh, people about it. It's it's really bad. It's appalling. It's yeah. Sorry, I'm anyway, old. This is this is way off topic. It was kind of an offhand thing. Uh, back on back on topic. We're going to get lots of email about that. I'm sure. <laughs> This morning, I read an article from a friend of the show, Andy Dreisen. It's called Turbulence for Test Flight. I'll throw the link in the show notes. Show notes are at mobilecouch.co forward slash 50. I like how what he's done there with that title because test flight is about flying and turbulence is something that... It's hilarious. Yeah. So clever. <laughs> so, I mean, he's he's raised a few concerns and specifically, like, uh, I think he, he sent these to Apple and... Uh, and to the test flight team, and got a few responses to some things, but there's a bunch of different um, there's a bunch of different problems. I mean, one of the biggest problems, I guess, is that um, test flight is limited to iOS eight only. Which I had that problem today, literally today. Had a client say, "Thanks for sending out the build, which I sent with test flight. Can't install it on my iPhone 4. Well, this so is I had it. to go through back to manually doing an ad hoc, like yeah. setting up a provisioning profile and doing the ad hoc thing and. Like and it kind of 
like the, the minute you got to do that once, it's like, well, why did I bother with Tesla? Well, because even though you did it once, it's still many times easier for mo- for the most part. Yeah, yeah. But I think I think it's an interesting thing, right? Because uh, iOS seven is still out there, and it's still quite predominant, right? I, I believe I mentioned that my number is like something like twenty percent hmm. of devices using GearFrapped using iOS seven. Yeah, that's not that's not you small. can't you can't ignore it. No, you can't. It's not something that I can just go. Yeah, won't bother testing anything on iOS. Stuff 7. you all. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and there are certainly occasions where code does different things on seven as it does, than it does on eight. Oh, like, oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. You can't you can't assume because you've tested it on eight and you've had a heap of testers test it on eight that you, you can. What did I run into the other day? I had one today where I'm doing lots of UI stuff. View, though. view controller transition animations. Oh. Uh. And um, in landscape orientation, and on iOS eight, it does the right thing. And on iOS seven, the frames of all my views are as if they're in portrait, even though they're not. And so, you know, obviously, I've got to account for that difference, which is fine. But um, there's also I wouldn't even know about that if I wasn't testing on seven at the same time as testing on eight. So, kind of not being able to distribute your builds to seven is problematic. I think mine had to do with uh, margins. That sorry, the top and bottom layout guide, because I have a rotation animation on my preview screen now that I do completely manually. I don't use auto rotation at all. Yeah, which I really like. I I actually like having that control, which is kind of nice. Um, I don't know why I hadn't thought of that in kind of previous things. Um. And the margins on iOS 7 were different mm. for for whatever reason. So it would do weird things with the margins. So it would bring the margins with it, even though I specifically told it kind of not to. Yeah, it was not fun. Mm. And I hate doing stuff. I've, I've, I don't like to, you know, say, okay, on this version of the system, I think I've said this before, mm. I don't like doing that sort of, you know. No, it's not fun. Um, but I have put comments in, in places and said, this is mostly for iOS 7 so that I can go back through and delete it when I do my iOS 8 uh, fix. Mm. That'd be nice. Mm. But yeah, so Andy's point that test flat app doesn't currently support iOS 7. Um, And Apple's response there was that there, um, yes, it requires iOS 8. I I don't know why that is. I'm guessing there's something in within iOS 8 that makes it work. Yeah. You think maybe it's to do with this not needing a provisioning profile with devices listed in it and still Apple still being sure that that means you're not distributing it to everyone in the world. Because I, I guess we should remind ourselves of why we have to jump through all these hoops. Yeah. And really, it's all about um, Apple wanting to make sure that people that use iOS devices can trust the apps that are on there that you know that the apps you install have been vetted by someone to make sure that they're okay by whatever definition of okay, whether it's, you know, don't have the sort of inappropriate content that Apple doesn't want to be invo- you know associated with or that aren't scamming you or have been through App Store review or something. But basically you can trust that they've come from a particular source. Um, yeah. So we as developers cannot distribute apps just outside the App Store willy-nilly. Um, but that's why these restrictions exist because they want 
for the most part, all apps to be distributed through the App Store. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Just got to remember that's why. It's kind of, I think it's kind of a reasonable goal. Like, I kind of get that. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, there are other, there are obviously other ways of going about that. I think Google are trying to you know attack that in a different way. Um, I think do they they like only review apps when they've been flagged or something? Yeah, but on Android you can sideload, so yeah, that's true. You don't have to get your apps from the Google Play Store. Yep. Um, so there are numerous ways you can get an app onto your device. Mm. Whereas with iOS, like, did you guys read all of those? Um, I'm laughing because I think it was funny. Reports of like vulnerabilities where you could like pretend to be a Facebook or something. No. no. Okay. So someone someone discovered enterprise or ad hoc app distribution and decided to write articles about it in the kind of public mainstream media about <laughs> Apple security vulnerabilities. If you do an over-the-air install of an ad hoc distributed or an in-house distributed app. Yep. And you tap on the little thing that says, this app was signed by such and such a developer. Do you trust this developer? Yep. And you choose trust. Yep. And then you install the app on your phone. Yep. That app can run on your phone. <laughs> wow. And what if the Whoa. what if the developer made it look like <laughs> Facebook, but it wasn't actually Facebook? Ah, <laughs> oh, first of all, that would be a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> I think they also found you can also call the app Facebook. Like it's not, and you may even be able to steal the bundle ID. So you could potentially replace the Facebook that's on someone's phone with one that they installed. Anyway, it's it was ridiculous because it required people users accepting that permission that they trust that. that right, developer. it says who the developer yeah. is, but it it kind of was briefly news because no one had ever heard of it before because it's such a rarely used exception to the rule that everything must go through the app store um, that you kind of obviously bewildered someone when they realized that there is an exception to that rule. Here's a hot tip. With investigative journalism, you actually have to investigate things properly. <laughs> hot tip mm-hmm. from me to you. So here's the thing I think about the test flight not working on iOS 7, right? I don't necessarily think that Apple cares about iOS 7 anymore because iOS 8 is here. Um and they're working on OS eight point two and nine sh- and now they're also working on nine obviously because June waits for, June waits for no but no man uh so you know it I, I don't necessarily think that they even you know they don't they don't care about iOS seven in the way that we we care their goal is to and I think we told we touched on this a little bit last week with mm. you know the the cloud services thing but. Their goal is to isn't to you know make sure that it you know that our jobs are easier. Their goal, their goal is to make sure that you know to try and keep everybody up to date and every like to keep people you know on the latest thing that they have. Yeah, that that's what they want. That's their you know. But to be fair, often thing. that means that our jobs easier. Like I think that Apple are able to get their users to upgrade to the latest operating system sooner than other platforms because they're so like there is such a clear difference between older versions and the newer version they kind of when the new one comes out they're unambiguous about the message of upgrade to the new one new stuff's going to work on the new one it won't work on the old one 
Right. So I kind of like that in some ways. It's just that we're in a situation like, I don't know, for this sort of developer tool, you know, as developers, we can't ignore um, every earlier versions of iOS. I, I think that supporting the current and the current minus one is pretty much as kind of hardline as you could be. If you only ever said, I actually only support the current OS, then you, you're cutting off a fair few users. Right. I'm about to do that. Well, it's getting close to. It'll only be only the current for about what three months. Yeah, but if it gets too close, I probably just go straight straight to nine and cut off eight. Sure, why not? Okay, cool, good for you. I want to. I want to be you. I want to be there as well. <laughs> I, well, see, this is the thing for me, right? I I don't like. I feel like most of the users of gift wrapped. The majority, maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. Are uh, reasonably tech savvy, hmm. right? Um, that's not necessarily the case. I don't think. And I suppose you've got an, a, a version that runs on. I do have seven. a version. Well, I'm, and that's the he's like that's the thing, right? I'm doing this build that I'm about to release in the next, hopefully, in the next couple of weeks. I really hope. Uh, I'm built. I like. I'm doing a build that I know definitely works on seven. Yeah. So that I can go to eight or nine, whichever I decide to go with, because you know this it's it's coming, uh, with kind of no with no regrets. Yeah, I think that's complete completely reasonable. Well, I guess some of the apps I'm working on at the moment um, are new apps, and they're they're client apps, and you know, client wants as many people in the world to be able to download them as possible yeah, so we have we uh, so at my at my day job right we've done we're doing an app for a client this is going to get really really uh vague very quickly so we're doing an app for a client where previously uh, they had a build that worked on ios 6 and we were supposed to be updating it to work also on ios 7 yeah and i guess eight <laughs> um I ended up convincing them to only go for, I think it was seven, so dropping six completely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and good for you. Yeah, I, I think eventually we ended up going with like we're, I'm do I'm doing testing on seven, and then we're using test flight and we're only really testing it with clients on eight. Yeah. So they were specifically you know required to have eight devices, and then I do all the. Yeah, testing. see, this is where we're getting back to that question, right? Well, yeah. I'm in the exact same boat. Whereas, you know, I did some work on an app the other day that was written for four. Um, I'm like, okay, technically, I suppose we could compile this. Like, I haven't used new APIs that were introduced post four, I don't think. <laughs> but where have I got a device that's still running four? I, I, I can't get hold of I don't one. have I can't one. get, like, I don't have one. You can't. I don't even know that you can. You can Well, you can't even install the simulator for for, no. for for that far back. I don't even think you can support four. Four's gone. It would be impossible to push an app to the app store now that supports. They four. do. They do Five have a the lowest by memory. They do have a yeah. like a lower limit. But even for, so, I think we end up going with seven and eight. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I think that's kind of reasonable. Well, but I guess. Uh, well, I mean, think of it like this way: like, there's so many differences between seven and eight already. Like, yes. it, and and they're basic; like, they look the same. And then yeah. on top of that, you've got six, which has had like it, seven had this 
major overhaul of yep. all the different uh, the visual UI where like things like tint colors, you know, the change, it all changed, you know, the behavior of that changed. And yep. so you had to, yeah, wow. But I, I think like the upshot of all of this though is I don't think any of us are sort of quite ready, give wrap aside, uh, to, just to say, we're not, okay, we're not going to ever, we're not even going to test on seven. In my heart, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> because I look at my code and it just makes me sad every time I have to write something specific for seven. I feel your pain. I think after we finish recording, I'm about to go and put a whole heap of if else <laughs> in my code to change the, the frame of my animated views between seven yeah. and eight. Um, but wouldn't it be nice? Test flight distributed to seven. But I suppose we just live with that. So I mean, the, the I mean, obviously you can still use hockey test flight. Like old old test flight is gone, but you mm. can still use hockey for mm. doing development builds. And Microsoft bought them out, didn't they? Yes, right, hockey is yeah, that's now right. owned by Microsoft. We should talk about the like big complaint that everyone has with test flight. What's that? Which is that your apps have to go into review. Uh. Yeah, see, that doesn't bother me. And I haven't really thought about that for a really long time. Because I started doing like I started doing beta testing for GIF wrapped. Oh, it would have been last year sometime, I think the first build went out, right? Um, late last year. And it went through review once and I haven't done it since. Yeah. So that's the situation, right? Where if you've not never submitted an app, if it's a new app. Yeah. Uh, you have to submit a version. Well, if it's a new version, it should be. Or a new version. Yeah. You have to submit a version for review, even if it's for beta distribution. Yep. Um, And it doesn't seem to take as long as a proper app store. I don't feel like they do. Like Like you're not waiting as long and it seems like it. No, definitely heard good reports of about a a day or two days. Um, But then once it's been reviewed once, subsequent builds you post you there's a tick box to say have you changed anything significant and you just you can just check no and if you say time. no every time then there is no review required that new build becomes available to, for testers kind Pre- of well pretty much immediately yeah uh, there's some processing time like, yeah but you wouldn't even be able to submit it to review until that had already gone through yeah another point about it though is apple really envisions it as a beta testing platform not an alpha testing platform which is what a lot of people were using right you know the original test flight and hockey like your app still has to pass app store the normal rules of the app store so i've heard people complain that you know their app doesn't handle no internet connection very well and so they were rejected hmm. and it's like but it's it's just you know in development well oh, i see i haven't heard about that because a lot of people use you know, if you're doing a sort of agile approach to development where you're releasing to to production or releasing to actual an app on a device in a user's hand every couple of weeks throughout the development process, yep. then, yeah, you're going to want to do a build, you know, every, once a week to all of your testers. Um, and those early ones mightn't do much at all. So I, I didn't realize. I hadn't heard of that. I haven't run into it myself, but. Yeah, but I think that's partially because, like, um, like I don't necessarily think it's a good idea to be, like, I mean, showing off your alpha builds to people and not kind of replacing the app on their phone with an alpha build, if you've got a build, if there's a production build out there already, 
Um, no, I guess this would apply mainly to developing yeah, a but, new app. I mean, you do like what happens when you build when you do a like a like for instance, I just did I just did a a complete refactor of GIF wrapped. I basically wrote the app again. Mm. Um, that's why it's taken so long, people. Patience. Well, on that hand, you normally use a different bundle ID, right? So you can have multiple installed. Yeah, but that's a pain with test with a new Can't test do that. Well, you can, right, but you exactly. have to you have to set up a you have to set up. You would have to set up a whole new yeah, app. Yeah, and it is kind of a pain. I have, I, yeah, I kind of stopped. I stopped doing that with this build because it. I mean, it's partially not necessary anymore. But also, if you're going to do those builds, if you're going to do builds like that, you also lose out on some of the other benefits, which is things like you know being able to submit the already tested. Mm. Uh, beta build. Yeah, that's true. For for production release. So the other thing is internal builds. If you can register your internal testers, you can submit to them without review, which is kind of what they envision. That's where yeah. your alphas go, just to internal so, people. And yeah. then the thousand users really is meant to be public, not necessarily general public, but people outside of your organization. Yeah. So you could have you could have anybody really. You could ha- you could make it a, do a public public beta or you could have a semi-public beta which is you know so you get a a limited number of people through Mm. you know that go through a particular channel or whatever um you could set it up on you know test devices and have people use it on those specific devices i don't know whatever whatever you wanted to do Mm. um the internal ones are kind of useful though for just because they you don't even you actually don't even need to do anything at all to get builds out to that really um, if you have, if you submit a build, uh, and you put in ch- like the notes, the update notes, which don't even you can not even have, like you don't even have to put that much in there. So, and then then it will immediately go out to your alpha, your, your uh, internal testers. The downside of that, of course, is that they have to have access to your iTunes Connect. Uh, so you're not gonna. Which I, you know, I think that's almost a kind of a. It's it's obviously like a deterrent from putting giving it to people outside of your organization. It does say internal, you know, after all. And I think yeah. the the complicating factor there is the way iTunes Connect accounts work. So, with Apple Developer Program memberships, me under my Apple ID, I can be a member of multiple developer program teams yeah right but i can't be a member of multiple itunes connect teams yeah um, yes i run into this all the time which is just kind of nuts right which is so broken so I, I can actually be an admin of multiple developer program and you can only see one but i can only be yeah associated with one itunes connect um and your internal testers in itunes connect have to be itunes connect accounts so if you want to invite someone who already has an iTunes Connect account, then they've got to set up a new email address to specifically for specifically that. for your um the Gmail's um plus yep. thing works well for that. So I just do Jake plus something or other at my email address. Um and, and then forget your password. And then forget my password, yeah. Write it down somewhere. A big sticky stuck on the side of my monitor. <laughs> oh my god oh, security breach um yeah i i think that the the like i don't want to be too negative i think what we said at the beginning or what i said at the beginning was the new test flight is a huge step forward yeah and 
it has some big advantages. Yep. And they, they're clear unambiguous advantages. I'm going to keep using it for those reasons. Um, but it doesn't cover all of the functionality that you might want in terms of having a way of distributing test builds. So yep. for people that do want to just dis- easily distribute to some beta testers, the version that will eventually end up in the App Store, it's really convenient. For people who are wanting something that's like a continuous integration to be able to continually distribute builds to a development team during development, then I don't know. I, I kind of think maybe Hockey is a better. If they're the development team, why don't they have access to the actual? Oh, you don't want to. You don't want to like build. Oh, it might just. It might just be people like internally. You know, like people who have build servers and stuff. Yeah. yeah. They're not necessarily developers, and, the designers, the And it's kind of nice being QA. able to have like the the build that represents last week's work yeah. available, archived. You can always reinstall that exact build at any time you want rather than having to – the only way you can get a build on your phone is to hook up to your computer and build right. from Mexico. So it's great to be able to sort of say, you know, have – a sort of history of this build represents the code as it stood at that time. This build represents it now. You know, see it. Because, I mean, betas break. You can, you want to roll back some t- sometimes. Yeah. You know, the latest one's no good. Just use the one from yesterday. Yeah, that's fair. You can't do that on the new test flight. Yeah, it's, it, they, they expire. Mm. Well, not even that. They It's latest build only. Like, yeah, if you yeah. upload one today and you uploaded one yesterday, the yesterday's one's gone. Yeah, but I'm fairly certain that when you upload a new one, the previous one is automatically expired, mm. regardless of the time frame that it like mm. that it has left. Yeah, yeah. I just mean, like, there's no way to roll back. There's, you yeah. can't click on the old link. That's a fairly standard thing with Apple, though. You can't roll back with, to anything with, with them. You can't <laughs> go back to the old operating system. You can't go back to, yeah, yeah. Positive note. So yeah, look, I think I think the thing with test flight right is that that this thing is like a huge leap forward, and I'm like super keen on it. Really, um, I, I know it's definitely made my life a lot easier with you know adding adding beta testers to give wrapped and all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, there are clearly some still some things for Apple to work out, and still some things to kind of you know get through. I mean, you know, two or three versions down the track you know um it, it's going to be a lot more useful for you know testing on past oss than it is now it will be it's kind of like that it's kind of like that api that i think you mentioned ben that arrived with swift or something and uh it was it's for version testing and it only works in eight yeah <laughs> yeah that's right that was, it'll be, it'll be, be useful in the future. Year. <laughs> so it'll be useful in the future. It just isn't super useful right now. But I, I think, like, I think it's a huge step forward. I think even over over like the the previous you know uses of of like hockey and the old test flight, I think it's a ma- massive step yeah. forward. And I mean, the thing is, we had like we had a step forward when when uh, over the air builds were we possible, and I think this is another thing like that. I I think that maybe people like were just expecting that it was just going to be like perfect from day one, and it hasn't been. I mean, it's a in its current form. My opinion is it's a great thing for like public beta testing. Yep. It's not really designed for internal use per se. Like I think the old way is still better for internal use. Yeah, and people with continuous integration. Yeah, and I mean that depends on how but many. But it'll, it'll only get better. I mean that depends on how many. Uh, how many people you've got and what sort of roles they yeah. have as well. And there's probably a point in, in any project 
where it crosses from one to the other. Like as you get closer and closer to final release version of an app, you probably want to expand the pool of testers from the team that are developing it to a broader set of stakeholders to maybe some of the public to then a public release. So I think TestFlight is a good way of distributing. And that said, like the teams that I know that work on particular, you know, iOS apps, and clearly they're going to be larger, like bigger teams because, I mean, I don't know how big the Facebook, you know, Facebook's team that work on their app is. I'm sure it's probably more than 20. Hundreds. For most teams, though, I think it's less than 20. Mm. And, and so, you know, I mean, Apple only are only going to cater for the thing that they have to do deal with for the you know they're not going to deal with these extreme i mean if you've got hundreds then you've probably got the the wherewithal to set up your you know set up you'd a you'd have a, a test engineer yeah automated you'd, you'd think you'd have somebody systems. that yeah you'd think well i i think that's all i've got to say about test light i mean that i can kind of think of off the top of my head completely unprepared mm. But I think you know. I, I think yeah. I think it's a, I think it's a huge step forward. I think it's really good. I am enjoying using it. It kind of makes my life so much simpler. Mm. I really like the native app, um, and you get push notifications when there's a new build yeah. ready, and you just you know tap on the push notification. It takes you to the app, and you install the build. Yep, awesome. Yeah, it's super good. I don't know about the different colored dot. That kind of confuses me. It's a weird. Yeah, the it's dot's a weird annoying. dot. It's a weird <laughs> dot. I have on my on my That's home screen. That's probably why it only works on iOS eight. It's probably the dot. They couldn't do the dot on <laughs> iOS seven. But the iOS seven has the dot. Does it have the orange dot? No, it has the blue dot. See, they but can't maybe, do orange dots. How do you know they can't do orange dots? <laughs> <laughs> maybe they can do orange dots, and even then, it's not like it's not. I don't know that it is actually orange, because on my home screen, right, the the position that GIF wrapped sits in, uh, if I hover over. Certain colors, I, yeah, I've seen. I know what the dot looks like, but if you hover over certain colors, that looks red to me. Mm. Red dot, yeah. And then, and it looks like an error. It's like at first I thought this build didn't install properly. Like that's an error dot, but no. I had to get rid of my blue gif wrapped icon when I moved to Test Flight and got rid of my ad hoc configuration profile. It was too difficult to continue doing my colored icon and it kind of is pointless now with the the uh, insert color here dot which depends it seems seemingly depends on the color that's behind it something we didn't discuss with this is that the fact that it's the actual app store build means testing things like push notifications and yes yeah, so stuff like so that nice. and like you can test like in-app purchases not on that build because that actually does have a different Wait, so you can buy you can buy an in-app purchase for free in a beta test one without having that yep. weird setup you used to have to do. Yep. So I've just pushed the remove. Oh, that's an improvement. I've just pushed the remove ads one on the thing. It's doing a spinny thing. It, this is in the gift wrapped. It's come up with signing to the iTunes store as for my password. And you're using a real iTunes I'm using account. my real iTunes account. And not one that's now going to turn into a test account because you bought a sandbox. I think they fixed purchase. that anyway. So it's it's come up with a thing saying confirm your in-app purchase. Do you want to buy one remove ads for two forty nine? Beta testers aren't charged for this in-app purchase, and it will be only available during testing. So it goes away after testing. Ah, oh, um, that's so much better. Yeah, and then it just says buy. So I hit buy, and then it goes 
you've already purchased this. Would you like it again for free? And now it'll go floop. There we go. Thank you. Your purchase was successful and my table view cells went up and it says thanks for supporting gift wrapped and I've purchased an in-app purchase. Yeah. It's gone. Nice. Nice. And you don't have to do anything. It's, so that that's all because yeah. that's all set up with with iTunes Connect. Yeah, you so have you, you haven't set up separate test purchase products and yeah. separate test user That's accounts. the real one. It's the real one. So mm-hmm. you're actually going through a test process against the real yeah. in-app purchases. And so you can actually make sure that it actually works. Yeah. My ads yeah. are actually removed. So there are heaps of advantages to using the new app. Yeah, Definitely. so many advantages. I, yeah, I I really like it, and I'm sure that everybody there are people out there that don't, and that's that's look. Fine. I can understand that attitude as well because sometimes when something is new and has some clear benefits, I get a little bit resentful if I don't feel like I can start using it because it's missing a couple of key things. It's like I wish I was like using the new get- thing with all of these new benefits because it's great. But I can't because I've got to support iOS seven still. But I'm I, so resentful. But I can't. But I can't because it gives me all sorts of weird errors in Xcode, like Swift. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't give you weird errors. It's awesome. It's the future. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. I'm not going there yet. <laughs> if you would like to read anything that we have talked about today, which is mostly test flight. And the articles and stuff. There's very little, I think. You can find all of the show notes on our website, mobilecouch.co forward slash 5050. Yeah. And you'll be able to click links, tap links if you cannot click. Maybe it makes a clicking noise. You never know. You have to try it. You can also send us an email from our website, mobilecouch.co forward slash contact, or you can email us like the old school way with regular old email at hello at mobilecouch.co. Yeah. You can get in touch with Jake on the Twitters. The Twitters is J McMullen, not Jake McMullen. J McMullen. I just pronounced your last name wrong. I always do that. Uh, it's J-M-A-C-M-U-L-L-I-N. And Ben is also on the Twitters as Ben Trengrove, not B Trengrove. I'm going to confuse everybody today. Ben Trengrove, B-E-N-T-R-E-N-G-R-O-V-E. And I am Jelly Bean Soup. It is uh, doesn't have any, anything to do with my real name. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening. We have had a great episode. Uh, we look forward to talking to you again in two weeks' time. We will be with you again then. Bye. Bye. Bye.